Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another solo show. I did one last week talking about herbs and clarifying herbal extracts and herbal ingredients to try and help you understand what you're looking at when you look at the supplement facts panel on the back of your herbal formula bottle. Today, I'm going to do the same with vitamins. Now, I actually think vitamins are probably better understood uh, by the average consumer out there than herbs, perhaps. But there are so many ins and outs when it comes to vitamins and so much marketing. So I'm going to try and help you steer through the marketing you know, slogans and ideas where one person, one brand may say theirs is better because it's a liquid or another brand may say it's better because it's whole food or another brand might say it's better because it's methylated or another brand might say it's better because it's in a gummy or, you know, all the different things. And I'm not saying that some of those claims aren't true. They are sometimes and they aren't other times and better is even subjective uh, because it depends on what measurement you're going with, right? I One of my favorites, just to tease the topic a little bit before I jump into it, is the argument about whole food when it comes to vitamins. People say, well, it's better absorbed. And that is true. In most cases, it is better absorbed because we, as human beings, were placed here on this earth with the intent, I believe, of getting our food, our nutrition from our food, getting our vitamins, our minerals, and things like that from our food. That being said, the world has changed. It's become a much more stressful place, a much dirtier place, far more toxicity in the world today than there was uh, in the old Garden of Eden, uh, and certainly even than there was just 100 years ago or 10 years ago. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. So a lot of things have changed, and of course the soil is far more depleted, the food supply is an absolute disaster when it comes to everything from chemicals being sprayed on our food to the soil being so depleted that they have to put, uh, or and, and that Minerals aren't being put back into the soil because farming is uh, mass produced. And so we're putting a few minerals back in, but we're pulling as many as 90 or more out and so many other things. And so while there is definitely a need for supplements now, we certainly have plenty of evidence of that. Thus, my vital five and some of the other things that I talk about. The question is, okay, well, Which supplements should I take? What type of vitamin do I need? And is it better if it's in a liquid? Is it better if it's in a sublingual form? I've seen some on the market now that are multivitamin sprays, for instance. Is it better if it's in a gummy form because you can chew it up and maybe you'll absorb some of it through your mouth? Is it better if it's in a food base or is it better if it's whole foods? So those are all the things I want to talk about today. It's a big topic, and I'm not going to be able to go into 
elaborate detail on each of these things. But what I'm hoping I can do, because I'll tell you, honestly, my show notes are, well, nine bullet points. I don't have any show notes here. And the reason for that is actually pretty simple. And that is because these, I I really want to play it the way that I do when somebody asks me this question in person. I've had these questions asked me so many times that rather than preparing a big speech on exactly the you know, do's and don'ts and what's and why's, I wanted to do this a little bit more organically and just give you my opinions based on the research I've done and the time that I've spent in this industry. So before I jump into clarifying vitamins, I want to remind you, if you are not already a member of the Facebook listeners community, they are 430 strong, amazing people helping one another out. And I dive in as often as possible and Uh, put in my two cents when people ask questions or have concerns about their health or what supplement to take for this or what foods to avoid or, you know, any of those types of things. Those are all the types of questions and conversations that are up there on the Facebook listeners community. That link will be in the show description. So make sure and check it out. If you're on Facebook, if you're not on Facebook, congratulations. I wouldn't get on there just to join our community, even though community is pretty awesome. One day I'll move it off of that lousy platform into somewhere else, but uh, haven't quite gotten there yet. Also, if you have questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio, please call us at Vitality Nutrition 801-292-6662 or jump on our chat feature on the website, vitalitynutrition.com is the website. And uh, you can also, of course, shop at both of those places as well. All right, let's clarify vitamins. The first thing I want to talk about is the form of uh, the vitamin itself. Is it in a hard tablet? Is it in a capsule? Is it in a liquid? Is it in a gummy? Is it in a spray? Uh, is it transdermal, meaning that they're, you know, you're putting it on through your skin and either some sort of a cream or a lotion or maybe even a patch or something like that? There's all kinds of different potential delivery systems. That's probably the proper term for it, uh, including powders, of course, uh, as well. And there are lots of what I would consider to be misconceptions that are planted there in people's heads by marketing of the companies that are making these products. So first, let's talk about tablets and capsules. And there are a lot of people that believe that tablets simply don't work. They don't break down. They end up in the bottom of the porta potty or the sewer system. People have heard all kinds of tales like that. And there is absolute truth to that in some cases, but I would say it's far less common than you think. Keep in mind that you know, in the pharmaceutical industry, the majority of drugs are actually administered in tablet form, including the most popular drug on the planet, at least that I'm aware of, which is ibuprofen in those little kind of pinkish tablets that you can buy a million of for $9 at Costco. These tablets work. They do break down. They do deliver the benefit that they're, uh, that people are trying to achieve. In the case of the drugs, also some side effects along with that, but they work. Tablets and capsules routinely go through a process called uh, stomach simulation. 
Now, a bunch of different companies call it different things, but I've actually witnessed the assimilation or stomach simulation uh, tests that have been done at multiple different companies. The first time I ever saw this was a brand called Solaray. Solaray, of course, is still around today. Years ago, my dad was actually the vice president of that company, and we're talking years ago, like 35 years ago, maybe. And their claim to fame was simple, and that is that they put all their stuff in capsules that they would then carry around. This is kind of a fun story, at least I think it is. They'd carry around, all their sales reps would carry around these capsules. And my brother was a sales rep for the company, and, and I sure wish I still had some of these capsules, but I don't. And uh, they were a, a clear capsule with a yellow something inside, looked like yellow powder, and they would drop it in water when they were talking to the stores uh, that they were trying to sell their product to. And as they were delivering the message, they would watch that capsule dissolve in room temperature water and a big yellow sponge that said Solaray, the Solaray logo, uh, would pop out. Their point being that we can break these things down in just water. We don't even need stomach acid, whereas tablets need stomach acid and gyration and all the other things that are going on. And they would drop a tablet in the water and it would just sit there. Well, a little bit marketing, okay? Because yes, if you drop a tablet in water, it will just sit there for a long period of time if there's no motion, uh, if there's no heat, uh, if there's no acid, then absolutely that tablet will sit there. That being said, tablets, for the most part, have been tested and proven to actually break down and deliver a result. They don't break down as quickly as capsules. Capsules break down in a stomach in about 30 seconds to a minute, based on what I've seen. And, uh, you know, it might take a couple of minutes if your stomach acid's very low or something like that, but they're going to break down quite quickly. Tablets might take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, but truth be told, in that time frame, you're still going to get a very similar delivery of the payload that is inside. So while I do not make tablet formulas myself, uh, currently anyway, at some point I might get into doing some tablets, uh, it's not because of that. It's more because I think capsules are easier to swallow for most people. Frankly, the minimums for the manufacturing are actually lower with capsules. I can make less capsules than I would have to make tablets. The downside of capsules is very simple. They are not compacted and held together by some sort of sealant. Uh, they are manufactured as two pieces, as you probably know. Uh, they dump the powder in one side of the capsule. They tamp it down with a little tamper, and then they drop that second piece of the capsule on there, which means the capsule is never even 100% full. It's as full as they can get it that way. You can get about double the payload in a tablet as you can in a capsule. So when you're looking at tablet formulas, particularly ones that people might refer to as horse pills, the reason they're so big, and you'll no notice that often in minerals, things like magnesium and calcium and things like that, potassium, are often tablets. The reason they're so big is because those particular nutrients require a ton of space and they don't want you to have to take six a day. They'd like you to have to only take three a day, for instance, to get the dose that you're looking for. 
So that's the the reason why a manufacturer might do a tablet over capsule. Uh, also, tablets are a little less expensive to produce. You do have to make more of them, but they are cheaper to produce, which I think is actually the primary reason why pharmaceuticals uh, largely come in tablets, particularly the really cheap over-the-counter pharmaceuticals like what I mentioned, uh, you know, ibuprofen, Tylenol, things like that. So that's tablets versus capsules. I really believe if you've got a reputable brand, if it's a tablet versus a capsule, I don't care all that much other than I like the capsule because it's easier to swallow. Uh, capsules are made of two different com components, uh, generally basically a veggie cap, which most of my formulas are veggie caps. I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan. I don't intend to be one, uh, but uh, veggie caps are popular for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And so where it makes sense, I put my formulas in veggie caps, but uh, the other form would be gelatin. And uh, I'm not opposed to gelatin capsules. I use a lot of gelatin capsules. Uh, but if you're looking at veggie caps versus gelatin capsules, the veggie capsules are made out of cellulose, which comes from uh, generally actually a byproduct of wood production. Uh, and uh, so you're deciding are you going to get an animal source or a tree source, essentially, in most cases. And that's really a personal preference thing. Like I say, I don't have much of a preference. Gelatin capsules actually are a little easier to swallow. They're less, they're more slippery and less sticky. Um, and so if that's an issue for you and you don't mind having gelatin, you could consider doing it that way instead of the veggie cap. And uh, I think that's pretty much all you need to know about capsules versus tablets. Uh, let's talk about liquids, though. This one, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe it'll surprise you. Maybe it won't. Many brands marketing liquids. In fact, just yesterday on the Facebook listeners group, uh, I had somebody ask me about a liquid multi I'd never heard of before. Um, and I'm not going to throw it under the bus. I don't think it's a bad product, but it was a very expensive product of $85 for a month supply. And uh, I looked at what's in it, and it's loaded with a million things, but it's proprietary ingredients. It's very, very difficult to know what's actually in the stuff, if there's enough of anything in it. To make a big difference, you can see what vitamins and minerals are in there because that, you know, by law, they have to state that, but all of the food components and herbal components and all those kind of things were under proprietary lock and key, which makes it difficult to know, you know, what's in there and how's it going to work and is there enough in there to make a difference and all that kind of stuff? But the big thing, the big push from the person who recommended this to this individual was simply that it's a liquid, so it'll absorb better and quicker. So let's go back to capsules and tablets real briefly. Let's, th this is kind of how I look at it. If your gut is in relatively good shape, if you have, if you don't have acid reflux, if you're not on a PPI for acid reflux, if you don't have a reason to believe that you have low stomach acid, then I think a tablet is relatively equal to a capsule. If you do have a reason to believe you have low stomach acid, you're over the age of 50 and really even 55, 60 years old and up especially, um, you have had acid reflux issues or you are currently on a PPI for reflux, which would then further reduce your acid, then I would jump to a capsule over a tablet whenever possible. I think it makes a lot more sense. What about a liquid, though? Well, remember what I said about the capsules. In room temperature water with no gyration at all, they'll open up in less than a minute. And so once a capsule opens up and hits the digestive juices, those powders are uh, blended, essentially, by the movement of the stomach itself. And that turns your capsule multivitamin into a liquid multivitamin. 
there's really not much difference there at all. The biggest difference would be that because you've got a liquid to begin with when you're drinking it, you are assuring that it's going to open up. But again, capsules, I, just, I don't think there's a single instance of a capsule uh, that isn't enteric coated or something that, you know, that is designed to get through the stomach. If it's not that, I don't know that there's a single instance of anyone that's ever passed a whole capsule that didn't have a coating on it all the way through the colon and into the toilet. So, most people, I think a capsule and a liquid is pretty much equal. The downside to the liquid, though, is actually pretty simple. And that is that they've had to flavor it and they've had to sweeten it. And they've had to do a bunch of different things to try and make it palatable. Because let's face it, vitamins, minerals, herbs, especially when all combined together with this product had maybe 150 ingredients in it, they're not going to taste good naturally. So there's two things that we sacrifice in a liquid. One is, actually three things, one is because it has to try and taste good, um, they are adding a lot of stuff that you otherwise wouldn't need, which then leaves less room for the nutrients themselves. So you're almost always going to have a lower potency product on a milligram for milligram basis. Here's the thing about that. What's the trade-off? Many people are going to say, well, yeah, but I'm going to absorb it better. Well, I think I've already shot some holes in that. This is my opinion, but it's a pretty well thought out opinion over decades of experience selling all of this stuff, getting feedback from people and actually being back at the manufacturing facility, seeing how these things are made and how they're tested to make sure that they break down. So I don't really believe that there's any advantage to liquid, but you do have these disadvantages. Again, you're going to have probably lower potency, definitely a bunch of extra stuff that maybe you don't need or want. Oftentimes those could be sugars or sweeteners or stabilizers or things like that. And because it's so darn heavy to ship liquid around versus capsules, you're almost always going to pay a premium price. So for my money, in most cases, capsules are king Tablets would be, you know, second and a fairly close second in most cases, and liquids would actually be a third. If money isn't an issue, if you don't like to swallow pills, uh, or if you simply can't swallow pills and get them down, then liquids make all kinds of sense. You just have to look at it and make sure you're getting one that doesn't have stuff you don't want and that has the potency that you do want. Now, I'm going to talk about another form of liquid that drives me crazy because I believe in most cases it is a scam. And I'm going to lump this in with gummies because it's kind of the same thing. People will tell you that you want to take gummies because you're chewing them up. They're going to absorb quickly and more efficiently and they taste good and you don't have to swallow pills. People will say the same thing about sprays. And the sprays that I've seen have primarily not been, you know, a big bottle of spray, but a little tiny like pocket-sized bottle, almost look like a pocket-sized perfume, something maybe uh, twice as big as a chapstick or something like that. Well, here's the thing with the sprays and the gummies. It's a space issue at that point because, again, trying to make it taste good, they're going to put either a lot less of the active ingredients that taste bad or a lot more of other stuff, sugars, sweeteners, fillers, whatever else, to try to mask the taste of the product. And then they're going to tell you, yes, but it absorbs so much better. And I hear this from sprays all the time. And so I was looking at a set of spray vitamins at a, a, a trade show in Anaheim that I was at just a few weeks ago. And the one product they had on display was melatonin. 
And their melatonin spray had two milligrams of melatonin per spray, which is fine. That's totally cool. I sell tablets of melatonin that also have two milligrams. And they were claiming that it had a much higher absorption rate because you were spraying it in your mouth. But I also sell what are known as lozenges or sublingual tablets, tablets that you chew up uh, and then sit under the tongue and let them absorb that way. Is a chewable melatonin just as good as a spray melatonin? I would anticipate they're pretty darn similar. So then you just have to look at cost. And their melatonin was $20 for 30 sprays, I think it was. And my chewable melatonin, this is not my brand, just the one that I sell. It's made by a company called Source Naturals. You get 60 doses for under $10 versus 30 doses for over $20. So the marketing hype is not worth the extra money. And when it comes to gummies and sprays, there's just so little room after they have made it taste good that uh, you're never going to get enough of most things. I've, I've talked all about gummies on other shows, so I'm not going into great detail, but there are some gummies that work. Elderberry gummies, I think, work pretty well. Melatonin gummies can work pretty well. Vitamin D gummies can work pretty well. There are several gummies that you just simply don't need to put enough of it in, uh, or you don't have to put so much stuff in that it's not going to be uh, effective at the dose can, that can be put into a gummy. Man, I really said that so wrong, so let me start over and rephrase. This is what happens when I don't have notes. Um, what I'm saying is if you only need three milligrams of something like melatonin or two milligrams, they can fit that in the gummy and make it taste delicious. No problem. But if you've got to put, say, 500 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams to yield some benefit, you're not going to get enough in there to not uh, or to actually make the gummy an effective product. My least favorite gummies on the market are the adult multis and prenatals that are in gummy forms. They just don't make a lot of sense. There's only so much you can jam into those things. Okay, so now let's move on to another form uh, discussion and debate, and that is food versus, I'll say whole food versus food-based versus what are known as isolates. Now, let's first talk about this. I, I touched on it briefly at the very beginning of the show. An isolated vitamin does not exist in nature. Okay, so vitamin C as ascorbic acid, for instance, which is going to be what's in most vitamin C supplements on the market. That doesn't exist in nature. Vitamin C exists in nature in things like oranges, right, and grapefruits and lemons and limes. It exists in things like amla and camu, camu, and rose hips. There's vitamin C in all kinds of different foods. But in high concentrations, those would be where you'd find vitamin C. In order to get ascorbic acid, you have to refine vitamin C out of a food, and most ascorbic acid is made from corn. And believe it or not, the ref refining process actually is higher or deeper. There's more refining involved in ascorbic acid than there is in corn syrup. So we are talking about something that requires a fair amount of production to become vitamin C. Why would they do that? Well, there's a few reasons. One, it's cheaper. You can deliver way more vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams, from corn, uh, from corn as ascorbic acid uh, very easily in one tablet versus if you were using rose hips or camu camu or something like that, you'd probably have to take two capsules to get 500 milligrams, but in most cases, it's more like two capsules to get 250 milligrams of most of the whole food vitamin Cs. So 
you're taking as many as eight more to get the same delivery. But people will say, or to get the same payload, but people will say, well, yeah, but it's way more bioavailable. Well, yes, in most cases, it is more bioavailable. And yes, I 100% agree that human beings were intended to get their nutrition from food with all of the cofactors that are present in food. I know this to be an absolute fact. There's tons of evidence of it. The problem is, what's the trade-off? Now, I only picked vitamin C because it's one that's most commonly known. Everybody knows vitamin C. Most people have heard of ascorbic acid. But let's just talk about ascorbic acid because it gets thrown under the bus a lot. First off, I will say this. Don't use an ascorbic acid product that is not labeled as non-GMO. You don't want the GMO corn. You don't want the glyphosate residue and all the other crap that goes along with that. Although I have no idea if there's any glyphosate left by the time it gets to ascorbic acid. Better safe than sorry. And I certainly don't like genetic modification in my body. So then what do you do? You just look for one that's non-genetically modified and you're good to go as far as that goes. But is it better than whole food or is it as good as whole food? Well, here are the trade-offs, okay? And I'm not going to tell you that I think one is better than another. My show is about hopefully just educating you on you know, what the options are. You get to decide. In many cases, I will tell you, I have a very firm belief that this is the best form. I talk about that with magnesium bisglycinate a lot. I talk about that a lot with spore probiotics. But in vitamins, it's not necessarily best. It's more different, and you get to decide. So... If you are a very uh, sensitive person, you have a lot of food sensitivities, allergies, things like that, it's possible you'll actually absorb a isolated vitamin better than you will a whole food vitamin and have less problems with it because there's less other components to potentially be sensitive to. On the flip side, you may find that you don't do well with isolates because your digestive system is not very effective or efficient at the moment, which is probably why you have a lot of food sensitivities. And until you build that back up, maybe you're not going to get much absorption out of an isolated vitamin. This is where trial and error is something that just all of us need to do to figure out you know, what works for me and what doesn't work for me. But those are things to at least consider. If you're like most people and you're just trying to get more vitamins to, you know, improve your health, enhance your health, you don't have any major, you know, significant ailments uh, and you're looking to keep it that way and you're thinking, well, I want to do it more like nature intended and I'm going to go with a whole food vitamin. Let's just do a little comparison to give you a, a real illustrated example of really what it is I'm talking about, because I think this is going to be pretty useful. All right, I've got my multivitamin here. It's called the Ultimate Vitality Multi. It is what's called a food-based multivitamin. This is the hybrid form of vitamin. There are whole food vitamins. These are foods that come from places like Kamu Kamu or Amla or, you know, orange uh, citrus extracts or things like that. There are also what they call food whole food vitamins that have been manufactured. And we need to talk about that for a minute. Most whole food vitamins, and I've got a mega food whole food vitamin here too. I don't think mega food's a bad brand. I carry mega food. I'm probably moving further and further away from them because they recently got purchased by a company. I'm not confident that I can trust, but currently I am carrying mega food and I do think they make good products. Um, I don't know that that's going to 
hold up. So that's another story for another day, and I'll certainly bring it to you when I've made my decision. But Megafood is known for what they call um, food-grown vitamins or uh, grow vitamins. There's a bunch of different names for it. They're not... Okay, how do I start? They are technically whole food, but they are actually man-made whole food vitamins. That sounds really weird. I know if you've never understood this, I'm going to explain it to you. They have a vitamin here that is called vitamin B12. You've heard of it. They're using a form called methylcobalamin. That's a methylated form, and we'll talk about that in just a moment as well. And this is in their multivitamin. And what it says is vitamin B12, and then in parentheses, as methylcobalamin with S. cerveciae, that's Saccharomyces cerevisiae, 4.8 micro, micrograms per dose. Saccharomyces cerevisiae is a yeast. It's a very hungry yeast. It loves to chomp up vitamins and minerals and uh, absorb them. Yeast is, uh, you know, grows and, and uh, it's like, think about fermentation. And it gobbles up the thing that it is fed and ferments it and it becomes part of the yeast. So what they're doing is they're actually taking an isolated vitamin, such as ascorbic acid or such as uh, vitamin B12 from methyl methylated form. They're putting it in a bath. It's literally a vat of Saccharomyces cerevisiae, and that Saccharomyces cerevisiae is eating it up. And out the other side, basically what you have is a yeast form of B12 that is now in a food state. And as a food state vitamin, what you've got is something that it that replicates whole food. There's nothing wrong with that. I just feel like most people don't understand it. And that's why I wanted to bring that up here. So that's what most whole food vitamins are. Now in their same label, they have one called vitamin C. You've heard of that one as well. And in parentheses, it just says as acerola cherry. So in this case, it's vitamin C from acerola cherry. That's just regular old whole food. So it depends on the vitamin, and that's what, why those parentheses on the back of your bottle might be the most important part of the label. So that's whole food, and there's a variety of different ways you can do it. And yes, I absolutely believe, and there's plenty of evidence to indicate this, you'll absorb it better, and your body will have to stress a little less to actually break it down. But let's just talk about the B12, for instance, okay? So in their daily dose of the Megafood multivitamin, they're giving you 4.8 micrograms of B12. And that's in two large tablets. My formula, the Ultimate Vitality Multi, which is food-based, not whole food, which means that all the vitamins and minerals are isolates. And then there is food added to the capsules themselves so that the body can take that food and those vitamins and blend them together in the stomach and basically create a, a complex that the body can then utilize more efficiently than it would if there was no food there. The same thing literally happens when you eat your vitamins, swallow your vitamins with a meal. It'll take the components of the meal, your body will, and the components of the vitamin, and it'll do its best to kind of reconstitute what looks like whole food at the cellular level. And the body's pretty smart like that. But let's just talk about now the B12 on its own. 4.8 micrograms, almost 5 micrograms in two big tablets. Uh, my formula has 250 micrograms in three capsules. So 
in each dose, you're getting 50 times as much B12, 50 times as much. Uh, on the uh, B6, here's another example, 1.7 milligrams in the Megafood B6. And uh, it is from P5P, which is the, the uh, cell-ready form. Mine is also from P5P, but it's 25 milligrams. So we're 10 times, 15 times about as much. So here's the question, because I could go through the entire label. And in almost every case, it's going to be at least 10 times more potent. Are you absorbing a whole food multivitamin 10 times better than you are a good quality isolated vitamin that has food added to it. And this is my belief, and this is a big shift for me, or was when it happened. I had been completely convinced that whole food multivitamins were the only way to go, and whole food vitamins were the only way to go. Now, I've changed my tune basically 180 on that. I don't dislike whole food vitamins. They're fine. Megafood makes some good ones. A lot of brands make some good ones, although unfortunately the three biggest brands that make whole food vitamins are now all owned by chemical or pharma companies. That's New Chapter, Garden of Life, and Megafood. So we have a problem there for sure. But uh, even if they were owned by reputable people, the question would be, is it 10 to 15 to 50 times as efficient and I just simply don't believe it is. One of the most common questions I get about my multivitamin, which we sell hundreds of every single month, is why do I have a bright yellow urine stream when I take this vitamin? And the answer is simply this. The way that vitamins have to work if they're in an isolated form is this. We throw a lot against the inside walls of your body, so to speak, like throwing pasta against the wall to see if it sticks, knowing that a lot of it's not going to stick, but a lot of it will. And that's what you're seeing is the waste product. You are actually seeing some of the vitamins leaving the body without being absorbed. But that's not evidence that it's not absorbing. In fact, the evidence that it absorbs is in all of the hundreds of people that buy this every month and tell me how much they love it and how much better they feel when they take it, even though they see some of it leaving in the urine after they take the supplement. We're basically giving the body extra. And by giving the body extra, we're giving it enough so that the body can absorb what it needs uh, when you're taking the product. So my personal take is this. You'll want to do your whole food or sorry, your, your multivitamin in either a whole food source, a food base or an isolate. Those are the three options, basically. The question is, which one's best for you? And in my opinion, it is the hybrid. I think the vitamins that are food-based, you get the best of both worlds. You're going to pay less money on a per-dose basis, and it's usually quite a bit less money on a per-dose basis. And you're going to get more absorption in terms of milligrams. The percentage might not be as high. But even if you're only absorbing 10 or 15 or 20% of that product, that's going to be more actual payload being delivered to your body than what you would get in a whole food vitamin, even if you absorbed it 100%.
I hope that answers that question. I know that's a, a long way of getting through all that, but I wanted to make sure that I at least clarified those things. Let's talk about a few others. Um, methylated versus, or sorry, and cell-ready vitamins versus unmethylated, uh, you know, non-cell-ready vitamins. Let's talk about those. If you're someone who has the MTHFR mutation, you absolutely want methylated vitamins. Uh, there aren't that many that are methylated. The two most important would be B12 and B9, which is also known as folate. And in order to tell if it's methylated, it's actually pretty simple. It'll say methylcobalamin on the B12 or some sort of methyl uh, folate on the B or on the folate. It mine is 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. Okay, that's the form, but that is a methylated form that the body can use. If you don't know about MTHFR, look into it. I'll be doing some shows on it soon because I'm studying it myself to try and deliver a, a really good masterclass on it as soon as I can. But uh, you're going to want to look for that. If you don't know anything about MTHFR, if you suspect you have it, but you don't know if you have it, uh, if you're concerned about it, really the simple thing is just buy vitamins that are methylated, and then you don't have to worry about it too much because the body, all MTHFR means in, in really simple layman's terms, because there's a lot more to it than this, is that your body doesn't methylate these vitamins. It doesn't turn these B vitamins into a cell-ready form that the body can then absorb freely. And because of that, what you end up with is you end up with um, the potential for toxicity from those vitamins because the body can't convert them, and you all always will end up with deficiencies in those vitamins because the body can't convert them. So uh, we're always looking for methylated. It's always going to be better, but it only applies to a few vitamins. And there, and and you were talking about the B vitamin range, and the ones that have um, that need to be methylated absolutely are going to be folate and B12. And then I do believe that uh, vitamin B1 in the benfotiamine form is the cell-ready form and is far better than thiamine. And I also believe that um, vitamin B6 in the P5P form, that's pyridoxal 5-phosphate, as, as opposed to pyridoxine HCL, would be the preferred version of that. Now, I can't go through every single vitamin and the preferred versions, we I talked actually about this before the show, uh, and it wasn't going to happen uh, because this would be about a seven-hour show. But I wanted to at least clarify those ones. Look for those methylated forms. And if you ever have questions, if yours is or isn't, you can always uh, check with us at Vitality. Call us or jump on the chat, and we'll help you figure it out. What about uh, under the tongue? Sublingual lozenges or just lozenges. The FDA, in all its wisdom, decided that sublingual can only be applied. The word sublingual can only be applied to drugs, not vitamins. So now most of them are called lozenges or chewables. But that doesn't mean you can't put it under your tongue and try to get extra absorption under the tongue, which is what sublingual means. Um, when it makes sense, I think sublinguals are great. Uh, melatonin is a great example we already talked about that makes sense as a sublingual. Uh, the B vitamins, particularly the B12, um, has been shown to be more bioavailable if it is in a sublingual form. So if you know you're dealing with the MTHFR or a B12 deficiency, I would highly recommend getting a sublingual form of that um, because you'll find that your absorption will increase, and uh, you and you put those little tablets under your tongue, and you'll absorb them more effectively. Uh, there's uh, one other thing I'll talk about briefly, and that is the ascorbate form of vitamin C. I personally believe that camu camu, amla, acerola cherries—they're all awesome forms of vitamin C. But how much you can actually deliver 
to the to the body through those. You've got to take a lot to get a little, basically, and that's the downside. The same with any of the other whole food options. If you're willing to take a lot to get the lower dose or to get the high enough dose, then go for it. I don't have a problem with whole food vitamin C at all. I personally have gone with what I consider to be, again, kind of a hybrid of it, and that would be an isolated form called a mineral ascorbate. So vitamin C uh, in my multivitamin, for instance, is from magnesium ascorbate and zinc ascorbates. The reason I chose the ascorbates is they're the best form of vitamin C that I could put in my formula, but also that allows me to get my zinc and my magnesium in the formula from the ascorbate form rather than having to add two ingredients, which means I can put more potency because there's only so much you can fit in the capsule. So I'm a big fan of mineral ascorbates. They absorb much, much better than ascorbic acid. As long as you get one that's non-genetically modified, you are good to go. And of course, I don't use any genetically modified uh, organisms in my products. So uh, that's how I do the vitamin C. And then the last thing I want to talk about is that thing where I talked about space dictating the potency. So this is a one that can help you see red flags with your vitamin. If you see, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, a magnesium that said it had 500 milligrams per capsule. Well, if every other magnesium glycinate you've seen takes three or four capsules to give you three or 400 milligrams, do you think that this one manufacturer suddenly figured out how to cram five times as much magazine or magnesium sorry, in their capsule as everybody else? Of course not. Unfortunately, some of these things simply take up a lot of space. Mineral ascorbates are a perfect example of that. I Had I used ascorbic acid in my formula, instead of 225 milligrams of vitamin C, I could have gotten about 325 milligrams of vitamin C. But because I also use the zinc and the magnesium that are naturally part of those ascorbates, I was able to put roughly the same amount of all the ingredients in as I wanted to in better forms than what I otherwise could have if I was taking them from separate sources. So sometimes there is a little bit of magic that can be done just by working through the math and figuring out what will fit. But what will fit is what matters. So when somebody asks me, why do I have to take three a years a day versus one of a Centrum or a one a day? Well, it's very simple. When you look at a Centrum or a one a day, it's got 100% or less of just about everything in there, according to the RDA. And when you're looking at the RDA, you have to recognize it's done by the FDA. It was mostly uh, put together in the early 1900s, and it simply is not uh, sufficient for the vast majority of the people that would be taking that product. Uh, my formula, other than when you get down to the minerals, because minerals, it's difficult to get enough minerals, particularly magnesium, uh, in a multi, but all but one, two, three, three ingredients in my multivitamin are above the RDA uh, recommended. Oh, sorry, it's four of them. The RDA recommendation, and many are way above the RDA recommendation because I believe you need those higher doses. So, yes, of course, they can fit a whole lot um they, they can give you a whole lot less pills to give you a whole lot less nutrition. Also, many of these multivitamins, the really good ones that are food-based, also have herbs in them that work as um, cofactors and things like that. Uh, my formula, for instance, has about 1,600 milligrams of additional ingredients that aren't vitamins and minerals that are all... Um, other forms of nutritious uh, content, everything from things like uh, suma and Korean ginseng and eleuthero 
and amino acids like L-tyrosine and herbs like ginkgo biloba and foods like grapeseed extract and barley grass and spirulina and those types of things. And the reason they're there is because my formula anyway is designed to help people fight stress, improve energy, and I wanted to do that with more than just vitamins and minerals. But it does come with a sacrifice for you as a consumer that you would take three capsules a day instead of just one or two of other multivitamins and frankly comes as a sacrifice for me as the uh, manufacturer because I have to convince people to be willing (laughs) <laughs> to take three a day. So it's a mixed bag, but uh, I chose to do it the way I did it for a reason. I hope that all makes sense. I think I got through most of the key things, except I just remembered there's one more note, I one more bullet point I didn't address, and that's liposomal. Okay, liposomal technology is hot right now. And frankly, liposomal technology is really good. Uh, it basically means they're bonding the uh, or combining in some way the nutrient to a fatty acid matrix to either get it through the stomach more efficiently in the case of something like glutathione or to just simply keep it in the body for a longer period of time to turn essentially what would be a water-soluble like vitamin C into a fat-soluble when it's liposomal vitamin C, which will keep it in the tissues for a longer period of time. There is some debate for sure about this. My biggest question I have is really how it pertains to, or or it's the same question I have with the whole food. Are you getting enough bang for the buck with liposomal by paying two or three times as much for it as you would with another type of vitamin? And frankly, I just think that the verdict's still out on that. I'm not sure. There's not a ton of research on liposomals yet, not nearly as much as there is on regular vitamins and minerals. I do sell a lot of liposomal products at Vitality. I do think that they do increase absorption, and I do think that they stay in the system longer and in many cases make sense. But I'm not completely convinced that liposomal is actually better, especially for the money. So I guess stay tuned on that. I don't know if I'll have an answer for you anytime soon, and it may always be an opinion, but I'm a little on the fence with liposomal. I don't think it's bad. I'm not 100% sure it's worth the money, and that's how I look at it. Okay, I've got to run. Uh, I can't think of anything else I want to say on this topic, and I maybe have rambled too long already. I appreciate you listening to me. I'm going to do another episode all about minerals uh, to follow in this series in the next week or two. It'll be called Clarifying Minerals. This one is Clarifying Vitamins, and if you didn't catch the one called Clarifying Herbs, you may want to check that one out. It was released just last week. Thank you so much for listening to me. If you have questions, call us 801-292. 6662. That's 801-292-6662 or see us online, vitalitynutrition.com. I'm Jared St. Clair and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.